Welcome to the podcast service of Sydney's FM 103.2. Available on the web at fm1032.com.au. Last night I began to explain that in his day, Jesus was widely known and actually criticised as the friend of sinners. He ate and drank with the very people you might have thought were first in line for God's judgment. He befriended them and taught them of God's love. Now, of all of the examples of this theme, none is more poignant than the one found in Luke chapter 7. In first century Palestine, perhaps no one was considered more impure and deserving of divine judgment, in the opinion of first century Jews, than a prostitute. And yet, on at least one occasion that we know about, while dining at the home of a Pharisee, a strictly religious man, Jesus welcomed to the table a woman euphemistically introduced to us as having lived a sinful life in that town. Let me quote from this beautiful part of the Bible, Luke chapter 7, verse 37. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume, and as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Now, this woman had obviously heard that Jesus was in town, And in her desperation to meet him, she even gate-crashed the home of a Pharisee. Now, according to Jewish law at the time, this would have made the Pharisee's home spiritually unclean. And much to the displeasure of the Pharisee and the other guests there, Jesus let this woman touch him as she wept at his feet, hopeful of God's mercy. You know, the touch itself would have rendered Jesus spiritually unclean in the eyes of his contemporaries. If this man were a prophet, thought the Pharisee, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Ironically, Jesus not only knew that the woman was a sinner, he knew what his host was thinking and responded by telling his host a delightful, if somewhat unrealistic, parable about a bank manager with two clients. One owed him the equivalent of $50,000, the other just $5,000. Both debts were cancelled freely. Which of them will love the money lender more, asks Jesus. Let me continue with the quotation from Luke chapter 7. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he cancelled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt cancelled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. 
You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. The woman's extravagant act of devotion toward Jesus reveals her love for him as the hoped-for source of God's forgiveness. Perhaps she'd heard the rumours about Jesus, how he bypassed the temple priests and offered mercy to sinners directly and freely. Perhaps she'd even heard Jesus preach for herself as she stood at the back of the crowd, ashamed to go any closer. Whatever drove her to seek out Jesus, she received the words she longed to hear. Words I reckon all of us would long to hear. The story from Luke 7 climaxes with these words. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. In light of an incident like this, it's no wonder that Jesus' contemporaries, especially the religious leaders, slandered him as the friend of sinners, a tag which they meant as an insult, but which Jesus may well have taken as a compliment. And so we're left with this paradox in the life of Jesus. The man who regularly proclaimed the coming judgment of God befriended the very people you might have thought were first in line for that judgment. The judge of sinners, Jesus, was also the friend of sinners. Now, according to the Gospels and the wider New Testament, this paradox was resolved in the death and resurrection of Jesus, through which he bore our judgment so that we could become God's friends. Jesus' openness towards sinners, then, was a deliberate sign of the welcoming grace of God. His preaching declared that grace, his suffering secured that grace, and his scandalous social life embodied that grace in a tangible way. Through his meals with the undeserving, he was trying to demonstrate the friendship with sinners God so keenly desires. You know, Jesus' friendships with sinners heavily influenced the social conduct of the early church. Historians regularly point out that the first Christians completely overturned the great social distinctions of the time between Jew and Gentile, between pure and impure, between saint and sinner. It wasn't that these disciples were all lefty relativists, far from it. Unlike modern society, the ancient church was both right-wing and left-wing at the same time. The great divide in modern social thought between left and right wing is, I think, one of the great intellectual blind spots of our culture, but that's perhaps for another series. The first Christians were utterly devoted to Jesus' ethical standards, which included some very clear guidelines on marriage, sex, honesty, and so on. And yet, at the same time, they were utterly devoted to the social generosity Jesus had expressed towards sinners. They ate with Gentiles and with the immoral. They insisted that the rich should give honour and assistance to the poor. They gladly accepted the shame of aligning themselves with people who were weak, sick and imprisoned. 
And their treatment of women, despite the current bad press on this theme, was positively enlightened. You know, even non-Christian scholars agree that the life and teaching of Jesus, particularly his merciful attitude toward everyone, had a huge historical impact. Rodney Stark is a professor of sociology at Baylor University in the U.S., He's written a very influential secular book called The Rise of Christianity. Let me quote from what he says about the impact Christianity had on the ancient Roman world and why. Here it is. Therefore, as I conclude this study, I find it necessary to confront what appears to me to be the ultimate factor in the rise of Christianity. The simple phrase, for God so loved the world, would have puzzled an educated pagan. And the notion that the gods care how we treat one another would have been dismissed as patently absurd. This was the moral climate in which Christianity taught that mercy is one of the primary virtues, that a merciful God requires humans to be merciful. This was revolutionary stuff. Indeed, it was the cultural basis for the revitalization of the Roman world. The mercy at the centre of Christ's life and teaching revitalised the Roman world. That's the judgment of a secular, non-Christian social historian. Christians, in other words, they looked at Jesus and his warm friendships, even with sinners, and they tried to live in the light of it. Let me close then by asking, do you personally know that friendship with Christ? The Jesus of history is the risen Christ of today, and so the invitation to his table, as it were, remains open. Whenever sinners acknowledge that they are sinners and come to Christ for mercy, the reality experienced by that woman in Luke chapter 7 becomes theirs. Your sins are forgiven. Your faith saves you. You can go in peace. Do you know that friendship? And if you already do, as I suspect most listening to me do, may I ask a different kind of question. Do you embody Christ's friendship with sinners in your dealings with others? Is your life marked by the life-changing mercy which Jesus brought into this world? We hope you enjoyed this FM 103.2 podcast. To listen to more great audio, visit fm1032.com.au.